December 25th, 2020, the Nativity of the Lord, the Gospel for the Christmas Mass during the day. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. What came to be through him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony, to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him, but the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not by natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by a man's decision, but of God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we saw his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, the one who is coming after me ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. From his fullness we have all received, grace in place of grace, because while the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only Son, God, who is at the Father's side, has revealed him. The Gospel of the Lord Throughout the octave of Christmas, we will look at the parts of the Gospel for Christmas Day in sequence. Today's exposition will focus on the words, In the beginning was the Word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. While all the other evangelists begin with the Incarnation, John passing over the conception, nativity, education, and growth, speaks immediately of the eternal generation, saying, In the beginning was the word. The Greek word logos signifies both word and reason, but in this passage, it is better to interpret it as word, as referring not only to the Father, but to the creation of things, by the operative power of the word, whereas reason, even if it produces nothing, is still rightly called reason. Words by their daily use, sounding, and passage out of us have become common things, but there is a word which remains inward, in the very man himself. 
distinct from the sound which proceeds out of the mouth. There is a word which is truly and spiritually a word, which you understand by the sound, not being the actual sound. Now whoever can conceive the notion of word as existing not only before its sound, but even before the idea of its sound is formed, may see enigmatically and, as it were, in a glass, some likeness of that word of which it is said, in the beginning was the word. For when we give expression to something which we know, the word used is necessarily derived from the knowledge thus retained in the memory, and must be of the same quality with that knowledge. For a word is thought formed from a thing which we know. This word is spoken in the heart, being neither Greek, nor Latin, nor English, nor of any language, though when we want to communicate it to others, some sign is adopted in a particular language by which to express it. And so the word which is spoken externally is a sign of the word which lies hidden within, to which the name of word more truly applies. For that which is uttered by the mouth of our flesh is the voice of the word, and is in fact called a word with reference to that internal word from which it is taken, when it is expressed externally. This word that was in the beginning is not a human word. For how is there a human word in the beginning when man received his being last of all? There was not then any word of man in the beginning, nor yet of angels, for every creature is within the limits of time, having its beginning of existence from the Creator. But what says the Gospel? It calls the only begotten Himself the Word. But why, omitting the Father, does St. John proceed at once to speak of the Son? Because the Father was known to all, though not as the Father, but as God whereas the only begotten was not known. As was right then, he endeavors first of all to bestow the knowledge of the Son on those who knew him not. Though neither is he in discoursing on the Son altogether silent on the Father, and inasmuch as he was about to teach that the Word was the only begotten Son of God, that no one might think this was of generation in time, he makes mention of the word in the first place, in order to destroy the dangerous suspicion and show that the Son was from God without change. And a second reason St. John omits the Father is that the Son was to declare to us the things of the Father. But he does not speak of the word simply, but with the addition of the definite article, the word in order to distinguish it from other words. For scripture calls God's laws and commandments words, but this word is a certain substance or person, an essence, coming forth without change from the Father himself. Why then is he called the word? Because he was born without change, the image of him that begot, manifesting all the Father in himself abstracting from him nothing, but existing 
perfect in himself. As our knowledge differs from God's, so does our word, which arises from our knowledge, differ from that word of God, which is born of the Father's essence, we might say, from the Father's knowledge, the Father's wisdom, or, more correctly, from the Father who is knowledge, the Father who is wisdom. The word of God, then, the only begotten Son of the Father, is in all things like and equal to the Father, being altogether what the Father is, yet not the Father, because the one is the Son, the other the Father. And therefore he knows all things which the Father knows, yet his knowledge is from the Father, even as his being is from the Father, for knowing and being are the same in him. And so, as the Father's being is not from the Son, so neither is his knowing. And so, the Father begot the Word equal to himself in all things, as uttering forth himself. For had there been more or less in his Word than in himself, he would not have uttered himself fully and perfectly. With respect, however, to our own inner Word, which we find, in whatever sense, to be like the word. Let us also see how very unlike it is. A word in us is a formation of our mind going to take place, but not yet made, and something in our mind which we toss to and fro in a slippery, circuitous way, as one thing and another is discovered or occurs to our thoughts. When this which we toss to and fro has reached the subject of our knowledge and been formed from it, when it has taken on the most exact likeness to our knowledge, and the conception of the word in our mind is quite like the thing known, then we have a true word. Who may not see how great the difference is here from that word of God, which exists in the form of God in such a way that it could not have been first going to be formed and afterwards formed, nor can ever have been unformed, being a form absolutely, and absolutely equal to him from whom it is. And so, in speaking of the word of God, nothing is said about thought in God, lest we should think there was anything revolving in God, which might first receive form in order to be a word, and afterwards lose it and be thrown round and round again in an unformed state. Now the word of God is a form, not a formation, but the form of all forms, a form unchangeable, removed from accident, from failure, from time, from space, surpassing all things, and existing in all things as a kind of foundation underneath, and summit above them. Yet our outward word has some similarity to the divine word. For our word declares the whole conception of the mind, since what we conceive in the mind we bring out in word. Indeed, our heart is, as it were, the source, and the uttered word is the stream which flows from it. Observe the spiritual wisdom of the evangelist. He knew that men honored most what was as most ancient, and that honoring what is before everything else 
they conceived of it as God. On this account, he mentions first the beginning, saying, In the beginning was the word. There are many meanings of this word beginning. For there is a beginning of a journey and a beginning of a length. There is a beginning, too, of a creation. According to Job 40, he is the first, that is, the beginning of God's ways. Nor would it be incorrect to say that God is the beginning of all things. The pre-existent material, again, where supposed to be original, out of which anything is produced, is considered as the beginning. There is a beginning also with respect to form, as where Christ is the beginning of those who are made according to the image of God. And there is a beginning of doctrine, according to Hebrews 5. Although you should be teachers by this time, you need to have someone teach you again the basic elements, that is, the beginning, of the utterances of God. For there are two kinds of beginning of doctrine, one in itself, the other relative to us. Christ, in that he is the wisdom and word of God, was in himself the beginning of wisdom. But he was the beginning of wisdom relative to us, in that he was the word incarnate. There being so many meanings, then, of the word beginning, we may take it in this verse as meaning the beginning through whom all things were made. For Christ is creator as the beginning, in that he is wisdom, so that the word is in the beginning, that is, in wisdom, the Savior being all these excellences at once. As life then is in the word, so the word is in the beginning, that is to say, in wisdom. Consider then, if it is possible, to understand the beginning according to this meaning, as meaning that all things are made according to wisdom, and the patterns contained in it. Or we may understand, inasmuch as the beginning of the Son is the Father, who is the beginning of all creatures and existences, that the text, in the beginning was the word, means that the Son, the word, was in the beginning, that is, in the Father. Or, we may simply understand, in the beginning, to mean, before all things. The Holy Spirit foresaw that men would arise who would envy the glory of the only begotten, subverting their hearers by sophistry, saying that, because the Son was begotten, he was not, and before he was begotten, he was not. That none might presume then to babble such things, the Holy Spirit says, in the beginning was the word. Years, centuries, ages are passed over. Imagine whatever beginning you want. You do not grasp this beginning. For he from whom this beginning is derived still was. As then, when our ship is near shore, cities and port pass in survey before us, which on the open sea vanish and leave nothing on which to fix the eye. So the evangelist here, taking us with him in this flight above the created world, leaves the eye to gaze empty on a measureless expanse. For the words, in the beginning, signify eternal and infinite essence.
The heretics say, however, if he is the son, he was born. We agree. Then they say, if the son was born to the father, the father existed before the son was born to him. This the faith rejects. Then they say, explain to us how the son could be born from the father and yet be co-eternal with him from whom he is born. For sons are born after their fathers to succeed them on their death. They cite analogies from nature and we must endeavor likewise to do the same for our doctrine. But how can we find in nature a co-eternal thing when we cannot even find an eternal thing? However, if a thing generating and a thing generated can be found anywhere coexistent, it will help to form a notion of co-eternal things. Now wisdom herself is called in Wisdom 7 the reflection of eternal light, the spotless mirror of the power of God, the image of his goodness. Hence, then, let us take our comparison and from coexistent things form a notion of co-eternal things. Now, no one doubts that light proceeds from fire. Fire, then, we may consider the father of the light. Presently, when I light a candle, at the very same instant as the fire, light arises. Give me the fire without the light, and I will with you believe that the father existed without the sun. A reflection or image is produced by a mirror. The image exists as soon as the beholder appears, yet the beholder existed before he came to the mirror. Let us consider then a twig or a blade of grass which has grown up by the waterside. Is it not born with its image in the water? If there had always been the twig, there would always have been the image proceeding from the twig. And whatever is from another thing is born. So then, that which generates may be coexistent from eternity with that which is generated from it. But someone will say, perhaps, well, I understand now the Eternal Father and the Co-Eternal Son. Yet the Son is like the emitted light, which is less brilliant than the fire, or the reflected image, which is less real than the twig. Not so, we say. There is complete equality between Father and Son. I do not believe, he says. For you have found nothing to compare it to. However, Perhaps we can find something in nature by which we may understand that the Son is both co-eternal with the Father and in no respect inferior to Him. But we cannot find any one material of comparison that will be sufficient by itself and must therefore join together two, one of which has been employed by our adversaries, the other by ourselves. For they have drawn their comparison from things which are preceded in time by the things from which they spring, man, for example, from man. Nevertheless, man is of the same substance with man. We have then in that nativity of man an equality of nature, though an equality of time is lacking, since one man is before the other, though both are equally men. But in the comparison which we have drawn from the light of fire and the reflection of a twig, this is not an equality of nature, 
but there is an equality of time. In the Godhead, then, there is found as a whole what here exists in single and separate parts, and that which is in the creation, existing in a, in a manner suitable to the Creator, the Father and Son having equality both in time and in nature. And so, in one place, divine scripture calls him the Son, in another, the Word, in another, the brightness of the Father. Names together meant to guard against blasphemy, for inasmuch as your Son is of the same nature with yourself, Scripture, wishing to show that the substance of the Father and the Son is one, sets forth the names the Son of the Father, born of the Father, the only begotten. Next, since the terms birth and Son convey the idea of changeability, therefore it calls the Son the Word, declaring by that name the unchangeability of his nativity. But inasmuch as the Father on earth is necessarily older than his Son, lest you should think that this applied to the divine nature as well, it calls the only begotten the brightness of the Father. For brightness, though arising from the Son, is not after it in time. Understand, then, that the name brightness reveals the co-eternity of the Son with the Father, Word proves the unchangeability of his birth, and Son conveys his consubstantiality with the Father. But the heretics say that in the beginning was the Word does not absolutely express in eternity. For the same is said of the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1, in the beginning God made the heavens and the earth. But are not the words made and was altogether different? For, as the word when spoken of man signifies the present only, but when applied to God, it signifies that which always and eternally is, so too was, when predicated of our nature, signifies the past, but predicated of God it signifies eternity. The verb to be has a double meaning, sometimes expressing the motions which take place in time, as other verbs do, for example, the dog is currently running, but sometimes expressing the substance of that one thing of which it is predicated, without reference to time. For example, the dog is a type of animal. Hence, it is also called a substantive verb, Consider then the world, understand what is written of it. In the beginning God made the heavens and the earth. Whatever therefore is created is made in the beginning, and therefore everything that was made in the beginning is contained in time. But lo, St. John, an illiterate, unlearned fisherman, is independent of time, unconfined by ages advances beyond all beginnings. For the word was what it is, and is not contained in time, nor did it begin in it, seeing that it was not made in the beginning, but was. To refute those who inferred from Christ's birth in time that he had not been from everlasting, the evangelist therefore begins with the eternity of the word, saying, in the beginning was the Word. 
Today, let us celebrate the birth in time of the eternal word, the birth in the flesh of the only begotten Son of God, the birth in the darkness of the world of the brightness of the Father. From all of us here at Daily Catena, Merry Christmas. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.